This is an AMI podcast. I would like to acknowledge that this podcast was produced and hosted on the unceded ancestral and traditional lands of the Squamish, the Musqueam, and the Tsleil-Waututh peoples. I feel truly honored to live, to work, and to play on these lands. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Accessing Art with Amy. I'm your host, Amy Amanti. My pronouns are she, hers. Erin Ball is an artist that I have followed for years. I personally have such a fascination with circus and circus arts, in particular aerial arts. What it must feel like to swing from a trapeze bar or to be wrapped in silks, the joy, maybe even the anxiety of it all. Erin has adapted many of the experiences in the circus arts to be accessible for a variety of folks based on her own lived experience. And of course, now I feel like I need to make a trip out to Kingston Circus Arts Studio, maybe sometime in the near future, to learn from a professional that gets both the circus and the disability experience. I feel like disability-identifying circus artists today are taking back or reclaiming this artistic practice, a practice that once saw folks with disabilities as part of a freak show. So please help me welcome, all the way from Kingston, Ontario, Erin Ball. My name is Erin Ball. My pronouns are she and her. I'm a white colonial settler born here on the traditional territory of the Mississaugas of the Ojibwe. In 1701, the Dish with One Spoon Treaty was negotiated so that other nations could share the land for hunting. Today, people from the Anishinaabe, Haudenosaunee, Huron-Wendat, Métis, and Inuit communities reside side by side with settlers and recent newcomers to this territory called Cataraque, and it's also known as Kingston, Ontario. For me, moving forward with justice in mind means learning and remembering the true history of this land and creating good connections with Indigenous communities who are here today. And I identify as a MAD from the MAD Pride Movement and disabled circus artist. Welcome, Erin. Really happy to have you joining us today. I'm a big fan of circus arts. And so before we even get into, you know, who you are and and your story, because I'm so excited to uh, introduce you to our listeners. Tell me what it is about circus arts. So first off, what are circus arts? What is it that you that you do? Um, and what is it that means so much to you about the circus art um, artistic experience? Thank you so much for having me, Amy. That is a really great question. I think that... It's a loaded question, <laughs> right? <laughs> I think that circus um, just has so many disciplines, so many things to offer that it is easy for me and for many people that I know to to find many things that they need within it. You know, it can be movement-based. Uh, it can incorporate theater, mm-hmm. um, you know, storytelling, so many different things. For me personally, uh, it's been a part of my life for I think around 13 years now. And just the the movement aspect and the being able to continue to check in with my body and move in all these different ways. And that has certainly changed a lot over the years. But yeah, it's a real connection. It connects me to a wonderful community. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many wonderful things about it. And so in particular for you, is there a certain type of 
I, I'm not even sure I have the language for this, Aaron, but a certain type <laughs> of circus practice or um, discipline that you, I don't know, that just like pulls your soul in that you gravitate to? I am typically in the air. I mean, what I do specifically changes often. I seem to come back to aerial fabric quite often. Before my accident, I was really drawn to trapeze, Mm -hmm. so two ropes with a bar. And then after I became a double baloney amputee, what I found was the trapeze was quite rigid And so if I worked with my prosthetic legs or without trying to wrap myself around an apparatus that doesn't really move a lot, didn't offer quite as much as the fabric, which I could wrap around me. So I still love both, but I do find uh, for myself, there are a lot of opportunities uh, with the fabric. So share with us just if somebody doesn't know what aerial fabrics are or what aerial mm-hmm. silks are, what what does that look like? What is that what is that apparatus like? So it typically hangs from the ceiling or an aerial rig and it is one strand of very strong fabric. Uh, it's rated um, for human loads and it's folded in half basically and so it hangs in two strands. Mm-hmm. People often climb it, do quick movements that are sometimes called drops where bodies are wrapped up and then some part kind of releases. Sometimes that is like straight down. Sometimes it's rolling sideways. There are all kinds of shapes, different uh, wraps on different body parts to kind of suspend people in the air. Okay. So if these are hanging from the ceiling, (laughs) how far off the ground are you typically? Um, It really depends. In my studio where I'm at right now, the ceilings are 20 feet high. So, you know, anywhere from right above the ground to right up at the ceiling. Ooh. So as somebody who's watching the silks, the adrenaline that mixed with the anxiety of watching, because I imagine that a part of it is like, are they going to fall or aren't they? Right. Like uh, that's I think a lot of that about circus in general for people is, are they going to succeed? You know, that that whole feeling of oh my gosh, are they or aren't they? (laughs) Yeah, that's really interesting. I get that feedback a lot after shows. And I guess as somebody who does it and practices everything very low and over and over and over until I'm confident that I can take that higher, it's not something that I really think of that oh, you know, I might fall. Of course, I take precautions and, you know, train with mats and all of those things. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's an interesting perspective. And I guess as somebody who's experiencing it or who's from the outside, I guess that's often what people think. (laughs) Well, I think too, the other draw is probably just because most people look at at this sport slash art, if you will, Mm -hmm. um, as something that they couldn't possibly do themselves, right? We look at that even with professionals, like I can't be a Michael Jordan basketball player. So that Mm -hmm. I'm kind of in awe about that. I'm curious about that. I'm so it's the same kind of thing for me with the silks, although I I would love to experience them personally when I witness them. (laughs) I feel like this is such an amazing thing to watch simply because of its challenge in both being physically strong, but also being, you know, beautiful in the length of your body and how you how you move your body um, to, to, I guess, to bring the artistry into the piece. Yeah, and it's interesting. Often after Cirque du Soleil uh, had come through town, people will go watch the show and then come in and try it out. And then the feedback is always, wow, I can't believe how hard it is Uh, because they make it look so easy. But yeah, I mean, everybody starts somewhere and 
everybody has things that come more naturally and everybody, you know, has things to work on. When I first started, I couldn't climb at all, at all. Um, And that took quite a lot of work. I can only imagine, Erin, thinking of my own physical strength and my own um, stamina during the the pandemic of being quite sedentary uh, during this time. So I guess the the silver lining is that you have a studio and you can go in and you can practice at your heart's content, um, socially distanced or not, right? You can just open the key, turn the key and be the only person in the room, which is kind of nice. I've been very, very lucky to have this space. Yes. Very grateful for that. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, you were you were talking about the trapeze yeah. and how, you know, that sort of changed for you after your double amputation. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if you're willing to share that story with us. Sure. Um, yeah. So 2014, I was professional circus artist. And mainly what I was doing was trapeze. Uh, I was doing some aerial silks, mostly with a partner. And I was teaching. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, circus and movement was really my whole life. And I didn't really know anything about disability. And I actually remember in a, a teacher training that I had done, I was asked, you know, what populations would you like to work with? And would you like to work with the disability community? And I just remember thinking, I don't know how that would work. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, yeah, in 2014, um, just very briefly, I basically got lost in the woods and as a result, had both of my lower legs amputated and took a year really to process, you know, what is this? And thinking that probably circus was no longer an option and, you know, exploring ableism and, and uncovering all of the things that I had no idea about. And then realizing that actually circus still is an option because for me, I love it so much that, you know, if I am going to keep living, then then that needs to be a part of things. And mm-hmm. I had no idea what that was, really hadn't seen a lot of uh, representation, a lot of, you know, different bodies doing circus. And I just knew that that I had to try. And uh, so it's been, you know, over seven years now of um, just figuring it out. Uh, you know, does this work? I don't know. <laughs> and, you know, I had a lot of those skills in my body and I kind of knew where I wanted to take things. And at first I tried to learn everything wearing my heavy prosthetic feet that didn't move, really got in the way. And as I said, just wouldn't really wrap around the apparatus. And over time, you know, as I got more comfortable in my situation, I started playing around with, well, what if I take these off? And, you know, I found it created entirely different shapes that would not have been possible in my body before. It created new pathways. I had to really think in a different way. And I really got excited about like, oh, this is a creative challenge. You know, I know I want to go to this, but I can't do it this way. So how can I do it? And uh, yeah, so the fabric really afforded a lot to me there. And then I realized that, well, you know, I don't have feet now. And 
so I can really put whatever I want there and doesn't have to be feet at all. And that just opened up a whole new creative set of possibilities there. And, uh, you know, I'm I... so curious about that. Aaron, <laughs> what, what does that mean? <laughs> so, I mean, I've tried everything from attaching confetti cannons to my legs. I have legs that make me seven and a half feet tall. I have, you know, legs every length in between. I've put colored smoke grenades and I've used most of these uh, different legs up in the air. Um, trying to think of what else I've done. So many things, um, I, you know, silly things that maybe I can't walk on. It's almost like a game. Can I walk on these or not? <laughs> um, <laughs> dolls and pinwheels and yeah, all kinds of things. But what an interesting way of phrasing it though. Like, you know, folks that are bipeds <laughs> that have both of their, their, their feet and their legs would not have had the opportunity to explore this kind of creativity, not in the same Absolutely. way. Um, so it sounds to me that that you have, uh, and, and this resonates if I'm correct, it resonates with me because I it, it took me a while, but I learned to think of my own sight loss mm. as a gift because I wouldn't be talking to somebody exactly. like yourself. You know, it wouldn't have put me in spaces to meet such interesting people. And so it sounds to me like, you know, the, you've made the most beautiful tasting lemonade, right? Yeah, I mean, I just never would have expected it, you know, um, and exactly the community, the the people that I've met, the things that I've learned, and yeah, the opportunity to put these things on stage. I mean, it's yeah, I definitely wouldn't have imagined that uh, it would lead to this. So yeah, I do consider it a gift. That really touches my soul uh, when people come to a place. And it's not easy, right? We're oversimplifying it by saying that everybody can reach a, a place in their life where they look at their their disability or their circumstance as a gift. I'm not trying to oversimplify things, but um, <laughs> it, there is a real peace that comes in your soul when you get there and, and, a, and a way of sort of refocusing your energy. Because let's be honest, and certainly for those of us who acquire, I mean, I acquired my sight loss too, when we go from being in one world to another, mm -hmm. uh, where you can, you can be really hard on yourself and beat yourself down really hard about that. Um, and it's a reminder to me when we talk about accessibility, that anybody can be a member of the disability club at any time, yes. right? Like, <laughs> so it's really one of the most important things that we can all do as human beings is to just make our world a little more accessible. And you're now doing that through circus arts, right? So talk to us a bit about what your, your company does in terms of opening up circus arts to bodies of all types. Well, I went to an event in uh, 2017 called the Republic of Inclusion, and that really, that was where I, you know, just connected with so many people in the disability community. And prior to that time, I, you know, just couldn't even imagine how people could get together and could, you know, thrive together. And there were dance parties and just so many amazing things. And after attending it really just got me thinking about, you know, how can I bring this in and like how many people have been left out in circus arts. So, you know, it's not perfect. It is a process. And, uh, you know, I feel like there's just always going to be more. But in 2018, I moved into my own space. So that's where Kingston Circus is, uh, Circus Arts is right now. And uh, it was a building that already existed, so I only had so much control, but it was amazing to be able to really do what I could with disability in mind. 
So the place is set up uh, as much as possible thinking of, you know, who would be able to access the space. You know, I have a few points here. Uh, so points are like the, the the points that the aerial apparatuses hang on that can go up and down. So that can change um, the height so that if somebody needs to get on something while it's lower and then be pulled up in the air, that's an option. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of the like standard accessibility things, but then also thinking beyond that, I really had this idea that I wanted to have adult amputee camps because I wanted to um, connect with people who were in the same situation with me and, and do circus with them. So I put out a lot of surveys while I was opening up about, you know, everything I could think of, like what kind of soap dispenser and just all of the different things. What what would you want in a space? And obviously I can't do them all, but just again, keeping as much in mind as I can. And so, yeah, we've had a few amputee circus camp weeks where people with limb differences come and yeah, try out all of the different circus apparatuses that they want to. And I initially started really focusing on teaching amputees because that was my lived experience. What you and, knew, yeah. Uh, yeah, and that was who was coming to me for classes. And eventually I started realizing, well, a lot of these, you know, guidelines would work just in general for um, trying to welcome more people into spaces and into classes. Uh, and so I kind of expanded out and yeah, try to welcome as many people as possible in here um, and just rethinking everything from, you know, warm ups, so many movement spaces. I think it's just been standard for so long that, that we haven't questioned it, but you know, to go into a space and be told, well, we're all going to run and jump. And if you can't do that, you're going to sit out. And and that has literally happened to me so many times. And I'm not saying that, you know, there isn't a place for running and jumping. I think it's just about reframing things so that it's general enough instructions, like how about we all find a way to move and then give specific options, you know, if that is running or crawling or moving in your wheelchair or whatever that is for you, you know, giving those kind of specifics so that it's a starting point where we can really try to bring um, as many people in as possible and then give the specifics that individual unique people need. And Erin, how does that work in in a performance setting? Because I, I I know from visiting your website and from seeing some of the videos that uh, are on of you on YouTube and and what you do that that you you know you work with folks who maybe have no no introduction to circus other than I don't know maybe watching Cirque du Soleil for example, mm-hmm. uh, and then you know you teach them some things and then you 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 do a show you do a showcase. So I, I I'd love to just hear from your perspective how that feels as a teacher, as an artist, um, to be able to make an impact on folks that uh, had previously no access to this, you know, this type of artistry. Oh, yeah, that is hard to put into words. Um, It's a challenge. (laughs) I mean, it feels like a very uh, special thing that I get to be a part of. Yeah, I think to be able to create opportunities for people that, you know, were maybe told no, or just had it in their minds that, that it wasn't an option. Um, but to make that option and let them know it is an option. Um, and then to experience 
the joy that they feel to be able to put themselves on stage and tell their own stories in the way that they want to. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, telling our stories our way, right? Mm, oh, yes. <laughs> oh, it makes my soul sing to hear stuff like that. Uh, I'm I'm really excited to have you in this space again. And, and I want to just talk a little bit about briefly uh, Kingston Circus Arts, as I understand it, has the opportunity to travel, of course, not during the pandemic, but you've been to other cities in Canada to share it, it, what it is that you do. And um, so talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so I would say Kingston Circus Arts, I think of kind of as this studio space. It's it's a little bit confusing. I have a few different businesses. Typically, that's kind of here. And then I myself am an artist uh, and I yes, travel. And then I also have a company, uh, Legacy Circus, and that is with mad artist Vanessa Furlong. And she's based in Halifax. Uh, So we've done quite a lot of touring together. And yeah, we've actually gone kind of all over the place uh, outside of Canada as well. I mean, I as I said before, I never would have imagined having all of these opportunities and getting to meet so many different people. I got to perform at an amputee camp that happened in the U.S. It happens every year. I think there were 1,500 amputees. Wow. And to be able to do that, and then um, we had an aerial rig set up and invited people to try it out if they wanted to. Um, it's just really amazing. Oh, that's cool stuff. I love that. Um, I, was, I always uh, can't wait for you to get out to Vancouver and we'll put this uh, yes. this body of mine to the test and see what it is that I can do in terms of circus aerials. Because I again, I find it fascinating. I find it challenging. And I too am of, of the mindset where I want to do things that folks kind of look at me and go, wait a second, you're blind. How are you doing that? Right? Like I just, I want to challenge that assumption, right? Totally. And I think it takes a lot of us living with disability that are doing what you're doing, that are challenging assumptions, that are changing the narratives. Um, So that folks that are uh, not a part of our community can see that we're living our lives and we're doing it. Because I don't know about you, but a lot of times people say to me things like, oh, well, you know, how do you enjoy your life? (laughs) And it's like, uh huh. Watch me enjoy my life. Especially, I hear that especially for folks who have acquired disabilities, because it's like they say to me, "Well, you were normal, and now you're not." And it's like, uh huh. Let's let's take the normal word and park it. Yeah. <laughs> because I fundamentally haven't changed. I've just learned how to do things differently and embrace a different community that I would not have been exposed to. Yeah, I just think yeah. There's still so many of those kind of harmful narratives floating around that, you know, I, I think are, it's not the fault of individuals, you know, it's kind of the systems and everything yeah. that's in place and it's happened just for so long. But um, yeah, it's really, I don't think that is, you know, the case. Like <laughs> we can absolutely thrive. And exactly as you said, it's just about doing things differently. Yeah. Folks with disabilities are nothing if they're not adaptable. Certainly. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, you can't use a fork and a knife in the air quotes traditional way. Then we figure it out. Right. Um, I I remember thinking um, when I lost my own sight, one of the the simplest things that I learned to do was to put an elastic band around my shampoo because the shampoo Mm. bottle and the conditioner bottle are the same shape. You know, and it's like, what a right. low, what a, what a like way to MacGyver <laughs> accessibility, right? Costs nothing. 
you know, you take the elastic band from your broccoli and you put it on your <laughs> your soap dispenser. So good. And, and yeah, and so, you know, ad- adaptation is the name of the game. So Aaron, I hear a sound cue and that tells me that we're going to switch gears here. And this is how fast this goes, right? Um, and play a little game before I let you go. So are you ready to play the mixed bag, Aaron? Ready. Awesome. So this is three questions. It's 25 seconds ish. And, uh, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm going to throw the first one at you. So what color or sound I'll give you the option evokes an intense emotion in you. Purple. Purple. What's the emotion it evokes? Oh, wow. It's so hard to put it into words. Uh, Intensity. No, that was the kind of the question. Um, (laughs) I'm terrible at this. Passion. Oh, I love it. Purple is actually my favorite color too. And I think passion is the perfect word to go with purple. (laughs) So love it. Um, Okay. Here is your second question. Favorite flavor of pie? Ooh, I'm going to go with cherry off the top Mm. of my head. Yeah. Any particular reason why cherry? I just love cherries. I, I eat cherries every day that I possibly can. Yep. Awesome. Love it. Okay. <laughs> that, that works for me. I'm actually not a huge pie eater. I'm I'm more of a potato chip fan than I am mm. a, a sweet tooth. But uh, but I appreciate, um, especially if it's a good homemade pie, I'll always give it a try. I actually don't like pie crust. Um, so just my, like the filling? My mom, yep. My mom used to make me like filling only pies. <laughs> oh, I love it. Filling only. <laughs> Um, and the last question in the mixed bag here is, what is your favorite sentimental object that you just cannot live without? <laughs> uh, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is um, my my many sets of legs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but for functional reasons, I, I can't live without. But uh, I also, yeah, I'm kind of a bit of a leg collector these days. <laughs> you know, it's uh, funny when you say leg collector, I actually think of like a gallery behind a glass wall of like of Aaron's yeah. legs in, in your studio. <laughs> yes. I mean, there's no glass wall, but they are everywhere here. <laughs> That's totally cool. Love it. Um, Aaron, before we let you go and we just have a few seconds left, tell us where we can find you on the World Wide Web. So there's the Kingston Circus Arts website. There is LegacyCircus.com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Aaron Ball Circus, Legacy underscore Circus, Kingston underscore Circus underscore Arts, <laughs> and on Facebook under my name or Aaron Ball Circus Artist and Coach, Kingston Circus Arts and Legacy Circus. <laughs> Before we say goodbye, I want to share with you this quote of the day from Aaron Morgenstern. Something about the circus stirs their souls. Thanks for listening to Accessing Art with Amy. This podcast is produced by me, Amy Amanti, technical production by Sam Robinson, and the manager of AMI Audio is Andy Frank. If you'd like to reach out to us with any feedback, you can do so by email at feedback at ami.ca or by telephone 1-866-509-4545. Thanks again to my guest today, Aaron Ball. Keep exploring. See you next time. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.